1: I recently came across Denny Lambert, former NHL player at the Whippy Silver Stick Tournament, um, a tournament that showcases the best minor, minor midget players in Ontario. I had the privilege of knowing Denny throughout his pro career when I was counsel with the National Hockey League Players Association. Denny played over 500 games in the NHL, both regular season and playoffs, during his 12-year professional career. Born in Wawa, Ontario, Denny played in the Ontario Hockey League for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds before turning professional. The key about Denny Lambert that you should know is that Denny was never drafted into the Ontario Hockey League nor the NHL. Just a symbol of hard work, dedication, perseverance, and a a man that was committed to his craft, which was playing the game of hockey. After his pro career, Denny went on to coach the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and and, and was part of the Gatineau Olympic uh, in the Quebec Hockey League as well. Denny is part of the Batchawana First Nation. He currently is a First Nations police constable, along with his scouting duties with the Sudbury Wolves. Denny, uh, thanks for joining us. How are you doing?
0: doing great Ian is great running into you and uh getting to, getting caught up on things it's been a long time so it was great to see you and i uh, looking forward to doing this integrating
1: yeah you know it was fun like I was just walking along and behind the COVID mask I hear um you know hey Ian how you doing and you know it took me a little bit um to you know, go through the files in my mind of all the players. And I was able to see beyond the mask, which you were wearing, to see that it was the great Denny Lambert, which was a a thrill to see you again. So, um, hey, I I guess um, being in the rinks, you know, um, with the Sudbury Wolves now as a scout brings back probably memories of when you played um, hockey. When you were, um, you know, uh, before the Ontario League, where did you play your minor midget and what, what organization uh, did you grow up in?
0: Um, actually, it's an interesting story. I lived in Wall, Ontario, which is about two hours north. It's a small community. So, obviously, not being scouted up there. So, I had to move to Sault Ste. Marie and I moved about uh, at the, at the Pee Wee level. Um, I came down to play AAA hockey down here. Unfortunately, I didn't make the top AAA team. Um, so my story goes on. I didn't, I tried to go for the Bantam, but I didn't make the bantam Triple AAA. Finally, my midget AAA year, the the year that I played for the Sioux Legion, which was the big team back in the day, but it took me three times to crack, uh, even that level. So I, I had to make the move though. Otherwise I wouldn't have been scouted and I thought I played pretty good and I seen the people get drafted. So I was kind of disappointed when the OHL draft came by and I, uh, I didn't get a, a chance to get drafted. So so it's so a it's a long story, but it's an interesting
1: one for sure. And so when you went up to the Sioux, um, where did you live? Did you bill it with a family or or did you have family up there? Or how did that work?
0: No, so, you know what, my mother um and my father got divorced and my mother always wanted to come to Sioux saint Marie, so the timing was unfortunately hard at home, but it was good timing for my hockey career. Um, so I ended up, my mother uh, had a job down here. She, I lived with her. So it was nice to have, uh, be able to stay with my mother and not have to build it out and all that, because I'm sure at that time of my life, it would have been very hard to leave my home, my small hometown. And it would have been very difficult, but thankfully, uh, my mother was there and, um, I was able to live with her and concentrate on hockey.
1: Right. And, um, so were there, before you hit the OHL, were there any. Uh, local hockey um, coaches in the Sioux or any influences on you that helped you kind of forge your path or was it kind of self-taught through dedication love of the game and you know wanting to um, obviously prove people wrong because you got bypassed for the Ontario Hockey League draft what 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 were there any influences that stand out?
0: Yeah, there's there was a big influence. Um, unfortunately, he's passed away now. His name was Donnie Crillo, and he was the head coach of the midget team. Um, with it was the first like it's hard to crack a lineup when you're coming from a different city, um, especially from a small town city, uh, coming here. Um, so with him giving me the opportunity, the chance, it really opened up the doors. He made me his captain actually, which put a lot of responsibility on myself, and it was he, he was uh, instrumental in me developing as a hockey player and a uh a person and he really helped me and you know he made me believe in myself and he gave me uh the belief that i could do anything i wanted to do and uh I, you know i obviously didn't uh let him down he was he was a big influence big uh, part of my first initial uh interaction with coaches that would help me along my way because there is other ones that have really helped me um especially in my junior career when i ran into teddy nolan right Teddy Nolan yeah. was uh, basically a father. He was like a father figure to me. He was, he was a First Nation person. He is, He went through the same thing. He played in the NHL. He was drafted late rounds. Played for Detroit. Then became coach. So, being him guiding me, and he knew the right buttons to push on me. There was a couple of times actually I almost quit and told Teddy I'm done. I'm quitting hockey. And he said zero chance you're quitting hockey. You're gonna, you're gonna work through this time and you're gonna get through it. And uh, he was very instrumental and. In, uh, and, and are
1: you still in touch with Ted Nolan? I, I touch base with Teddy all the time. We always keep in touch. Our
0: families uh, um, know each other. You know, you know, with the boys there. Even the chance of me later on in my career uh, being able to coach Jordan, um, that was a neat thing to do. Where I saw, I saw myself and Teddy with Jordan coaching him. I saw a lot of things going on there that I was kind of. What I learned from Teddy, I was starting to bring on to to Jordan and you know and it it worked out well for Jordan and uh, it was great to have a relationship with them uh, and then The, Nolans.
1: the things come full circle sometimes when you least expect it and um, that that's a kind of a neat story. So you know you were regarded um, as as a pro hockey player through Anaheim, Ottawa, Nashville, and Atlanta um, as being pound for pound one of the hardest working, um and toughest players to play. I mean, you never took a shift off. Um, and your determination and resilience, where where did that come from? Was it, you know, through you you know, your 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 time before, you know, playing minor hockey? Were you like that in minor hockey? And then did Teddy Nolan play a role in that? Because man, that the, the way you played what was 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 um was the hard right way, and um, how did you get that, or was it just part of you? Well,
0: I think, I, well, I think it, it is just part of you because I just love the game. Even when I was a kid, I just give me the puck. I'm gonna help us win the team, the the game here. I, I didn't really care about anything else. I just knew I had to drive really hard. Um, but uh, everything comes into a factor, right? Teddy does become a factor. But I think growing up in a small town, not having anything given to me at all, we were poor growing up um separated family fighting through that leaving home i think it builds your character and resilience uh it, it you just figure out how to do it and once i got i didn't make those teams and i saw the people that were making the teams that i got pretty frustrated and even at a young age i'm like well i'm just as good as that guy why is that guy making that team and i'm not why is that guy getting drafted and i didn't get drafted so those things when they you get uh kind of knocked down, the best thing is to get right back up and go out and prove everybody wrong. So it was internally driven within me just to prove people wrong that I was a small First Nation kid from Wall, Ontario, up in Northern Ontario with nobody. um, You know, it just gave me the internal drive that I wanted to play in National Hockey I didn't know how I was going to get there. I I really didn't know. All I know is um, one part of my game that became obviously a part of it was fighting and uh, when I traveled to Suzanne Marie Grounds, I never been in a fight really until that first year. And that first year in my trial, I end up fighting the toughest guy from Thunder Bay, and I end up beating him. And that kind of the coaches loved it, the players loved it, so it kind of gave me a good feeling, warm feeling. People people like that when I do that it makes me feel good. So I think getting those experiences and going through those kind of things has, was give. That's what gave me the drive and the determination that I was going to make it to the NHL.
1: You know, it's funny because all over the map, it's the same It's the same issues that occur for players, whether they're, you know, um, playing uh, youth hockey, um, you know, in the OHL or junior hockey, and then in pro, you know, why is this guy making it? Why aren't I, you know, um, why is this guy being promoted? Why does the coach like this guy? And, you know, staying in your lane and... Getting back up after you get knocked down, like you said, is so, so, so true. And with social media and everything else, so rings true today that, you know, those that stay in their lane and have that dedication, perseverance, and love for the game, you know, are in a better spot, in my opinion, um, to have success um, at the next level and then the next level and then the final level of the pro hockey. Um, so, Next question, Um, you know, you amassed over 1,300 penalty minutes in in your career, Um, but what's remarkable about you and your career path is how durable you were. Like, I mean, uh, I don't, I mean, very few had that durability where every year you were, you were at 70 plus games a year. How hard was that? And I guess, did you play through an injury? Um, Was the thirst, And the reality of being in the league and not wanting to lose your job, um, a driving motivation, motivational factor for you because it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, you know, I you start off when um, you you go back to the gym and uh, you're working out and you're conditioning and how you're eating off the ice and what you're resting and I did all that right, so that I kind of was always in really good shape, Um, and like you said, I. Nobody knows, everybody sees Danny Lambert playing the NHL fight and all that stuff, but nobody saw me work out three times a day um, at the gym at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, bearing myself on the bike. Um, these are things that I did. And just in general, my body is, uh, I'm not like 6'5", where I have a long, lengthy body where there's wear and tear a little bit harder. I got kind of a compact, strong body, so that helped out in that area too. Um, so those are some of the things that helped me have such a long, Long career without getting injured, and did I have some injuries? I've had injuries. You, you, you the the amount of times that we fought back in the day, when when we used to have those old leather gloves, when they dried out, they were stiff as ever. So in the mornings after you got into scrap, your knuckles would be all ripped off, and then you're trying to put your hand inside that glove. It's like just pain. But I had a pretty high uh, pain tolerance. I I didn't mind playing through a little bit of uh aches and bruises it, it didn't bother me at all as once i warmed up and in the game i was ready to go it didn't matter so i i think a little bit of it was my personality that i just you know you got a couple of nicks here and there you got some bruises or pains big deal i just i just walked through it and like you said fortunately i was very fortunate not to be injured too many times i think maybe twice in my career i all the fights that i had never had a broken nose um, a couple of black eyes that was it i was a smart fighter i didn't uh Try to do things and like um, where i 'd open up and'd be in danger, so a lot of smartness went into uh, to my play and my thought process through uh, fighting with the big guys, because they were all bigger than me
1: right, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, um, and so um, you know as you scout today, if you had a message uh, a compact message on what what works and and really what doesn 't um, is there anything that jumps out? At you um when you're out looking at, at young players now, um, and even you know, from your years of coaching in junior hockey, um, are there certain things that work and 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 certain things that don't work? I mean, I, I guess you've touched upon a couple of those things in your own career, and that is, you know, uh you were not entitled, nothing was ever given to you. But is there any message you could give the young players? Uh, um that are aspiring to play junior hockey college hockey or pro hockey
0: yeah i think at all those levels i think if you're a one and done player you're not going to make it like if you go into a battle and and put one effort in and the battle's done for you somebody beat you, you 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 will not make it the nhl or the ohl you need to be in the battle you need to have second third fourth efforts you need to continually be on your game and in people's space and and always reading and reacting very quickly, but really be tenacious and and read and react. Hockey sense right, is a big part of it. Um, To to me, a one and done player I don't want to have on my team because that's going to be a light player. I want a heavy player that's going to make himself strong. He's going to win the battles, he's going to win his one-on-ones. Even for a goal scorer, if you're a goal scorer, you can't be just a one-shot thing. You got to be intense. You got to get that goal. You got to find it. If you you don't have a shot, you got to find another spot. You're always looking for the next thing, right? So to me, it's um, always wanting uh, to do a little bit more. Be be prepared too. The other thing is your body. If your body is in shape and you're prepared for your season or your game coming up, whatever you're trying to do, your mind will answer. your, Your mind will be there everything else will fall into place so the biggest thing is make sure you're in really good shape
1: great great advice uh, I, I i couldn't agree more um so let's shift gears for a second um here and tell us a bit about your work as a first nations constable you like your duties and responsibilities and how did you what what prompted you to get involved and and do that um uh, yeah so uh let a, you fill us in well
0: Well, you know, when I was was coaching the Greyhounds, I I was I wanted to be in there like uh, Brian Kilray uh, coaching your hometown forever, but it didn't work out so. At that time, my kid when I got relieved of my duties with Sue Greyhounds, my kids were um, just in school, they were going into grade nine and high school a very important time in their lives and I didn't want to disrupt them so. I, I would have had to move and start traveling around so at that time. I still had two and a half years left on my contract so that actually was good because it gave me some time to start exploring different kinds of jobs so i started exploring different kinds of jobs i looked at firefighting i looked at real estate i looked at um, policing and uh that's when i went through all these stages and i tried a little bit of everything read up on it and went to to see what they did volunteered some time um and the one thing that came that I kind of felt was really good it was still a team and you work with people and you're there to protect people and help people was policing. And so I went down to um, uh, Garden River, which is another First Nation and they're, they're Anishinaabek Police Service and they had an opening. So the guy I knew there, he he hired me and he sent me away to school. And then I came back and then I transferred over to my First Nation, which is Batchawana First Nation, um, which is basically connected to Sault Ste. but it was, it was basically that thought process of helping people. Um, it's sometimes it's, it's not very nice. There's not good things to see and all that stuff. But in your mind, you got to tell yourself that you're always there to help the person. Right. Um, and the, 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 me being able to come home and stay at home and have a good job. And be like in Sault Ste. Marie, basically, is, is connected was was one of the reasons why I, I chose policing. That's how I got into it. I just didn't want to travel around anymore. um This gave me a stability. You're know, working every, you know, you got your 40 hour week, and it's a, it's a great job. You get out in the community, you get to meet people, you get to be around them. Like I said, there is some times where it's very tough. I deal with uh, drugs, I deal with weapons, I deal with uh, assaults, domestic assaults, uh, lots of violence. Um, so a lot of the stuff is not good and all that stuff but a lot of stuff is still good when you get out to, into community and involved in there
1: and how long did it take you through constable training to to uh get your badge <laughs> it's kind of funny because everything happens so fast like i had an interview
0: on a monday this doesn't usually happen this way it just they just so had, just had a, a position open so right. i had a, like an interview on a monday on Thursday, they came over to my house and said met my family and did their background check. Um, Friday, they called me in for a meeting. Said, "Yeah, you got the job." They said, "Okay, well, training starts in um, Elmer on uh, on Monday, so you got the weekend here, and you got to get down there."
1: So and the- how long was the, the training? Was, was the training? Was the training? The training, comp-
0: the training is three months.
1: Okay, right. So the, yeah.
0: the training was three months, and it was first day. One was hard day two was harder day three it's just gotten harder because they started introducing uh, assaults uh, your weapons how you're trained you so you're i was learning not x's and o's in hockey anymore no two one two four check or back check and there's nothing like that that's all i ever knew. now i'm learning about tactical fighting uh, weaponry uh, the laws of society of the criminal code highway traffic act this was hard right extremely hard but it's so it it sounds like it was hard (laughs) it sounds
1: like sounds like it's harder than fighting McSorley, Baumgartner, or Domi (laughs) I
0: I would I told them already when I was going through I said I'd rather fight those guys right now than go to this school because going back to school at 42 years old or actually was maybe 45 was very difficult but again hard work dedication. I, I was coming home on weekends, but I was falling behind. So then I had to stay down there. I couldn't come home anymore to see my family. I had to give that up. So I gave that up and I stayed down and studied on the weekends with people. And, uh, I was able to pass the course. And, uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was tough. It, it's very, uh, um, fulfilling though. Like now that I've been a constable for five years.
1: Now, like the, the lessons that you learned from your, um, hockey, um, through your success, in hockey, uh, junior and pro careers, uh, never being drafted, um, then persevering, going into coaching. Um, it sounds like the same characteristics, or if you want to call them cliches, apply to anything we do, whether um, it's becoming a constable, um, you know, a carpenter, a chef. It all comes down to um, working hard, nose to the grindstone, telling the truth, and um outworking the next person
0: 100 uh th- it's no different than hockey right somebody's there to take your job um if you don't do your right thing in policing and follow all the the, the steps that you have to somebody else will be willing to take it uh so yeah it's, it's tough and you got to stay focused you got to have a plan you got to have determination you can't uh is it going to be perfect sailing all the way through in a hockey career or policing career? No, you're going to have ups and downs. It's going to be all over, but you got to make sure that you're pretty stable and you know mentally you you stay uh, sound and physically you stay in uh, good shape and you know that's you, you got to expect uh, expect that kind of stuff. But yes, definitely stay stay focused and work hard.
1: Are there any um, programs in your uh, First Nations community that are promoting athletes and and? you know future hockey players that we should know about or that are being players that are being or athletes being celebrated whether hockey or any any other sports um are you satisfied um content or or do these programs need to be better
0: um you, you know what covid's been so hard on everybody right um lately uh, right through the beginning, and it's been getting really long. So there, there, we haven't seen a lot of stuff going on right now. A lot of things get cancelled, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a little NHL. I don't know if you've ever heard of the little NHL, but that's a huge tournament for all ages, uh, girls and boys, which is a great tournament, uh, usually held down south um in six nations i believe but uh you know they have that i don't think they've had it in the past year and hopefully they can have it this year right um but yeah just uh just just things have been canceled like with everything else everybody knows the situation we're in so it's been tough but um yeah those you know anytime first nation communities or members um, have a chance to do what we like i did or play in the nhl or do do other things that's very important for our community members um it's very important for us to be role models to uh the young kids and even the the parents growing up like they're all our friends and we talk to each other and make sure that everybody's helping each other
1: yep good to hear good to hear so finally um if any of the listeners are coming up to the zoo is there a special denny lamb bear uh restaurant diner or what not that they should go check out that you could recommend where, you know, if you're not worried about what you put into your body or diet and you want a great meal up in the Sioux, where would, where would Denny, where would Denny Lambert possibly be going on a Friday night for dinner up there? <laughs> well, go- the Friday a- night
0: I live on the golf. I, I, I live on a golf course. So right. The, there's an unbelievable restaurant. It's called Ember's. So that's where I always go. I go up the street here a little bit to Embers, which is very, very
1: good. Okay. All and right. After
0: that, well, I'm going to the 2 grand hockey game.
1: <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, listen, Danny. great catching up with you. Uh, you have a great story. Um, and I hope uh, you have continued success uh, with your uh, role and, and, and job in the, um, in the as a constable and um, – You know, your love for the game and and continuing to watch uh, minor hockey, youth hockey, junior hockey and the like. And um, um, thanks for joining us.